Welcome to the Literature in the Age of Trump. My name is Michaela. Today we're joined by Michael, Rodney, Marissa, and Chriselle. And today we'll be discussing Citizen, an American Lyric by Claudia Rankin. It's a collection of seven sections that consist of a hybrid style of prose poetry that describes the African-American experience in our society. Rankin explores the idea of how language and how our addressability, how Rankin says, is connected to our feeling of community and belonging and therefore our citizenship. Rankin is able to show how taken collectively, the stresses upon the American or African Americans are due to systematic racism, raising the question of invisibility and hypervisibility hyper in this collective. Um, to transition from that, Michael, what would you say is the main purpose for the argument for this book? Um, I think the main purpose of the book is to bring awareness to the different forms of racism and prejudice in society. Like It can be blatant with the case of uh, Trayvon Martin and then um, inadvertent in the case of uh, the friend who believes there are not many great writers of color. And that is on uh, page 10. And then, um, or implied, so when the uh, real estate professional merely assumes that the buyer is a white person and not a black person. These were all points in the book. Um, Chris, Chris, would you like to add to that? Yeah, so, well, I thought the purpose of the book was just to inform people about institutionalized racism, but also allowing people, um, also allowing voices to be heard by all the situations that were tied in the book. Um, but what I think that this book did the best part at is that it was interpretational and um, her rhetoric of you. Um, at first, I was kind of like off put with it because you is very strong and I feel like whenever you is used, it's more of like an attack. But when you keep reading on the book, it's more just to be more descriptive. And with her rhetoric, she allows she allows the readers to be not just an outsider looking in, but for you to actually be the person who's going through this situation. And um, so I think her ambiguity within her book allows us to um, really think and reflect on these situations. Um, I agree. I also wrote that when I felt for the purpose that like Rankin was trying to implore us to be more than just like citizens in it, to actually like see these injustices that were going on and that she's able to conceptualize like the marginalization of like how these systematic um, things have been set in place and how like within the readers giving us those moments to kind of reflect through the images and the different language and the screen grabs that she does. Um, can you on, would, are there like two or three scenes or the episodes that you feel like express these moments of visibility or hypervisibility? Um, the first one that I chose was on page 10. Um, and there's a quote, and this is, why do you feel comfortable saying this to me? I felt like this part was really important in the book because it shows that there is some form of um, comfortability in being ignorant, that it's so easy to kind of just exist in a world where you hear ignorant things to where you might take in those ignorant things those ignorant ideas and it's easy to kind of just spew things without even really thinking about the connotations of what you're saying or if it can actually 
affect somebody in a negative way. Um, so when they're in the car and he goes off about how the dean is making him, I think it was hiring somebody of color, um, like he didn't think that that would insult the person of color who's sitting right next to him because either he's not thinking of that person in his mind as being the person of color that he's attacking or he just didn't care. And so I thought that it was really important. It was a really important scene in the book to just show that how easy ignorance kind of just like exists and just spew out of your mouth without even really having the intention of I'm going to say something ignorant or racist. It kind of just can happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think another episode of where the hypervisibility is really shown is the September 11th, 2011 U.S. Open when um, Serena is given a bad call by the umpire and Serena's like, is, aren't you the one that did this to me before? Don't look at me. And I think just the fact that she just had that question of, aren't you the one that did this to me before? It kind of just shows how common it has, it has been for her and how it's just kind of meshed in between, it's kind of meshed in between like all those different scenarios has kind of blended all together. And then she doesn't even correct herself if she does realize that it's a different empire. She's just, don't look at me. So I think that just shows just how common um, it's been for her to be given a bad call by an umpire just because of who she is, you know. And then I'd like to add to that. Like in uh, Mercer's example, I feel the racism was blatant. It was uh, on TV, it was clearly shown that this umpire had a thing against Serena. But in uh, Rodney's example, it was uh, more indirect, but it was still racist and it makes Rankin, the narrator, feel uncomfortable. Um, the section that I focused on was the Hurricane Katrina, especially and just like that image at the end, where I felt like that was like a moment of visibility despite just everything that had gone through. I feel like that image was to show, was to see the faces because that was kind of like the reoccurring comment throughout it, like do you see their faces? And like I feel like that was just a moment that Rankin's like regardless of where you're at, like I need you to see this. And as a reader that's giving us that moment to like reflect on the content. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's also another way to direct the viewer's attention to the people that were actually affected by it. Because I feel like, well, personally, when I think of Hurricane Katrina, I just think of the aftermath of the landscape and the architecture, the cities that were ruined, but I don't really think of all the displaced people and all the separated families. And I think that's also, by the phrase, have you seen their faces, I think that's what Rankin wants us to pay attention to, that these people actually went through something and you can't forget about them. I think another important part about Hurricane Katrina in particular, um, what I wrote is that racism doesn't have an expiration date. So like terrible events like the Trayvon Martin shooting or Hurricane Katrina, they don't lose their significance over time. Like there's so many terrible racist things that happen that it kind of, it's hard to think about, it's, try, it's hard to keep track of all the things that are happening. So like things that happened in the past, they start to get buried, but the significance of those events don't necessarily um, wear away. Like it, Hurricane Katrina, the aftermath of that was just as important, is just as important today as it was when it actually happened. Um, speaking upon invisibility, one of the scenes that I put down was the section 
I read the most was Stop and Frisk on chapter six. And this chapter really stood out to me because, um, because that um, it covered a lot of police brutality and racial profiling, which is kind of one of the most prevalent issues that we see on a daily basis. And um, I just thought it was really interesting because there was like a lot of suppression of emotions because they, because the man felt like he was powerless, but then also he had like rages of anger. And um, how would you guys say this book applies to like the Trump era? Did it help you understand or give you like a different perspective as far as reading it? Um, yeah, I think this book has brought um, awareness and a new perspective on how I view my life or how I view life in the Trump era. So although I've known about most forms of racism and experienced some before, I've never thought about the emotional aspect that racism can bring from the point of view of the victim. Like I've never really thought about the implicit nature of racism too and its effects on uh, how it would make a person of color feel. And then Trump's campaign and presidency has like awakened a sort of renewed progressive form of racism as like many pro-white groups, they like have become more outspoken in this day and age. And um, yeah. Would you like to add to that, Marissa? Um, yeah, I feel like Trump's campaign definitely was based off of a violent and angry rhetoric and racist rhetoric. Um, and yeah, going off of uh, Mike's point that it's definitely given groups a bit more guts to kind of um, just proclaim what they're kind of uh, thinking. And I think this book, through the intimate kind of portrayal of it, were in the speaker's mind when they're faced with this sort of racist situation and the microaggressions. Um, and it's made me taken, taken at the same time exactly as the reader, because I personally, I've never really experienced any racism. So I never could really relate to anyone's stories or personal experiences but through this I couldn't help but understand it just how she wrote it it was just so intimate and I just I couldn't look away and I couldn't escape it you know yeah I just I thought that was interesting and it made me just kind of realize it more yeah I feel like the fact that she used a non like conventional like narrative like as far as to do so many different voices it really helped exemplify those experiences that mm -hmm. have been going on for so long but I think like how you both said like have been exemplified with like someone like Trump or someone doesn't have to necessarily be Trump it could be someone of that as an extension of that. Mm -hmm. I think why it's so relatable is because what you're saying about microaggressions I feel like when you're reading this you're either the person who is inflicting the microaggressions or who are actually afflicted with um, these microaggressions and, or you can either be both and you can see both ways. I think for me, um, kind of what helped me understand um, in regards to Trump is that there's a sense of power in being able to get away with racism. So the fact that Trump can run a campaign on racism and then be awarded the highest power in this country just kind of sets an example to other people who are racist, who have racist ideas, who might not have felt comfortable in being able to go out and say something racist. But now that 
they have a president who runs the country who is freely allowed to be openly racist. It gives them sort of a ticket to just say what they want when a comment, the common sense would tell you you're not supposed to be racist and you're not supposed to say racist things so happily. But sort of Trump has created a bit of a problem with allowing racists to just exist happily. Yeah, and I feel like even what you were saying, just like unawarely, just like how they exist are things, and I feel like people who have been coming out of the woodworks, we feel like been feeling this for so long and have allowed these kind of behaviors to be like within our society and like condition. Are there like particular things that you maybe like agree or don't agree with the way that like Rankin told her story or like allowed these stories to be told? Mm. I mean, I enjoyed the majority of the book. I think the only part that I didn't really enjoy um, were some of the parts that were, there was just heavy repetition because um, it kind of made it sort of confusing to understand really what the message was trying to be put through. But I also think that the repetition, a lot of it was purposeful to show that, you know, if a sentence is repeated over and over and over again, it's meant to kind of feel tiring to the reader. Um, but this is the reality of people who live in the con- who live in this country who are um, people of color, is that they continuously over and over and over again have to experience racism and ignorance directed at them or people that they love and so that in itself is tiring like it's tiring to wake up into a world where you have to deal with that kind of stuff so I think that the repetition as confusing as it made some parts of the book I think that it's important um, symbolically Do you have anything to add to that, Michael? Um, no, I don't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna say something. Um, what I was gonna say is that I kind of like how self-aware that the speaker is. Like, there's a sense of double consciousness going on because even though she, in the moment she might not, un- she might not understand why someone is saying this to her, but also in the back of her mind, she does. Um, but and we can kind of see that we can take it like we take it in at the same time as her when she says oh why would you say that like she understands but she also doesn't understand why that person actually said it so I really liked how we just saw that inner struggle of trying to comprehend what was going on yeah to add on to that I like how she wrote this book because um she she gets at a lot of like underlying issues within racism, but she doesn't directly have to label the issues. And she kind of just, um, she, she like spills knowledge in an implicit way by storytelling. And I think it's cool. Yeah, I don't feel like she's striving to like make it anything new. She's cause kind of, and I feel like that's also the, like the importance of like how she does in the beginning like you and just like making it whether that could be you the reader that could be you the person that she's talking to in it she's trying to make it like a very blanket that this is something that we're all a part of yeah I feel like the book definitely isn't trying to solve anything or doesn't have that sort of message behind it but it's just trying to expose what's happening Mm -hmm. yeah and I'd like to add that um I especially like the uh, segment on Serena, like we talked about before, 
because like prior to reading this book, I watched the uh, highlights from the 2004 match with uh, Jennifer Capriotti on ESPN. And then at the time, I thought that uh, Maria Alves was uh, either paid off to intentionally fix the outcome of the match against Serena, or like, you know, Serena was just uh, a heavy favorite and, um, you know, there would be a potential payout for this umpire to make those calls against Serena. But um, after reading Rankin's book, you know, she implies that the author, the uh, umpire made those wrong calls because of Serena's blackness against a uh, white surface. She gives that example. And then reading this book helped open my mind and eyes to the idea that race can play a factor, you know, regardless of how good a person is at what they do, because Serena's one of the best. She is one of the Well, something else that I liked about the book, um, I kind of liked how it showed a spread of events that um, connect to racism. I feel like a lot of the time when um, there are books that focus on racism, they specifically focus on like slavery or the civil rights movement. Um, and while those are like huge moments where racism was really a huge deal, um, they kind of forget that racism continues to exist in smaller ways that might not happen as frequently or as in huge events. Um, and so what I kind of liked about the book is that it showed just like years of different cases that involve racism in different ways that show, you know, somebody who was a victim of racism or show somebody who, you know, had a response to racism. I felt like it, that was interesting to just kind of see a catalog throughout the time that racism exists in different ways, that it's not just one look, that it has many different faces. Um, thank you, everyone. Michael, Rodney, Marissa, and Rissell. Um Yeah, that's it. Sorry, I suck at this. <laughs> 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 <laughs>